Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get Rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. You have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 547. Out now in theatres across the US is The Essential Church, a documentary that explores how Grace Community Church in California battled against government authority over the right to gather and worship during COVID lockdowns. A fascinating exploration of recent history in which the battle between church and state took center stage when faith and community was needed to combat a time of nihilism and division. The Central Church also reminds that from the darkest days follows the brightest light. 
In joining me now to talk about the Essential Church is the film's director, Shannon Halliday. Shannon, I thank you so very much for your time today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And before we go on, I just want to let everyone know they can go to essentialchurchmovie.com. Um, that's the website uh, for the film. And from there, you can get your tickets. You can follow um, the uh, updates from the church. You can look at testimonials, all sorts of great behind-the-scenes stuff as well um, from the documentary, which um, I think is, you know, not only is the film called The Essential Church, I think it should be known as an essential documentary as well because, you know, the COVID lockdowns, I think, for a lot of people kind of brought a sort of sense of perspective in a lot of ways. And especially, I think, complacent Christians now found themselves, you know, separated from their churches, separated from communities. And I kind of like, and I think the church themselves of, of all stripes were kind of like found themselves in a situation where they were faced with these kind of varied government assaults, not only in California, you looked at cases in Canada as well. Here in Australia, we had very similar situations happening here within our churches of all different dominations and stripes as well. Um, when it came to making this documentary, how important was it not only to tell the story of what was happening in Grace Community, but just to serve, you know, just ha have a, a document, have a reminder that this was something that happened very recently. And, you know, unless uh god forbid something happened like like that happens again it could possibly happen again because as your documentary shows throughout the history of the church there's always always will be that conflict in in heaven forbid that it happens again but it's a possibility that it can happen again in the future yeah it was really important to us to to make sure that we kind of got this story down as quick as we could um you know even though we're i don't know we're, we're three years removed or whatever uh I feel like everybody's already forgotten. Um, they've already moved on. It's they, they've like erased it from their memory that that even happened and how crazy it was that all over the world, globally, things shut down and specifically the church shut down and was deemed non-essential globally. So um, we wanted to make sure people didn't forget that. And, and it's important. And that's why I brought in the church history aspect of it, as you brought up. Um, because this is an ancient conflict, and it transcends uh, what we dealt with in the lockdowns. Um, and it was really important that I brought that part of the story in there so that this documentary, you know, 20 years from now, hopefully will still be applicable because we focused on what transcends the whole thing and not just the the data and the science and and all of that, but that this is a a spiritual warfare. This is a theological argument. And everything is downstream from theology. Everything from politics, art, culture, all of it is downstream of what you believe about God. And um, that has to be front and center in the documentary, and it is, um, which is why I think 20 years from now, people can still watch this and still be moved by it, it will still apply to them because it's a transcendent principle, transcendent truth. Um, so yeah, we wanted to make sure that we put our flag in the ground first to make sure that this story is told and that history will remember this. Um, because I think it, that the church has to remind themselves of this, and, and especially in America, because I think this was a muscle as you were mentioning earlier that we have not really exercised too much hmm. um and not in this way 
it really stretched us in our understanding of Romans 13 and how it applies, uh, which is really good for the church. I think we're more united, more fortified than we were before the lockdown. So um, the Lord in his sovereignty meant it for good, even though the people who did the lockdowns meant it for evil. Well, I think the whole COVID lockdown thing in, in a lot of other aspects of it too, when it came to Christians and the church, is that I think it was like a really big test that God had for us. I really do believe that. And at the end of it, um, it you really need to think about what what who are who am I as a Christian, who am I as a believer, and and what is it do I really stand for? And I think that really came to my mind when I was watching this movie in regards to um, uh, Grace Church and, and the people in the pastors and every, a lot of people you interviewed in the movie is that there was a sense of authenticity. These were people who were really standing up for their beliefs and values to the point where, you know, in Canada, there were a couple of pastors there that actually got jailed for living, uh, for standing up for what they believed to be true. Um, and, 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 you know, and I'm sure there wasn't their intention whatsoever to be put in prison for like 20 days, 30 days or what have you. But if those, if that was the consequence of it, so be it. So I think authenticity is really a word that really comes from at the end of the day after watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, when those guys were arrested, our brothers and sisters in Canada, um, you know, they didn't know when they were going to get out. It's not like they were told you're going to be in jail for 25 or 20 days or 35 days. And it's just jail. Don't worry. You'll just be in a cell by yourself. No, that's not the case. They were put in maximum security prison and they were treated like a criminal and they were put in with rapists and murderers and they didn't know when they were going to get out. And so they were taking on they were they were taking this on, knowing that their conviction in Christ uh, and what they believe about Christ being head of the church and that he's paramount in this uh, is what drove them through that, um, what pulled them through that. And and that requires sacrifice sometimes. And those guys were willing to do that. And that's what, that's what Christians need to do. And we need to be prepared for that. And they showed us uh, that conviction and and what that looks like. And I, and I think um, also it reminds me a lot of ways how sometimes experience can be the, the great teacher in a lot of ways when it comes to a lot of this stuff. My parents came to Australia from a, a former communist country in Yugoslavia. So they we've always had that kind of like healthy, um, healthy um mistrust of, of government in regards to its relation to the church. Because in a lot of those countries, especially in the 80s and 70s, there was a very strong um uh, uh crackdown of persecution of the church and Christians as well. So we kind of felt that. But I think for for other people, maybe in the States and in Canada. Where that where there were moments of conflict between the two, it hasn't really been brought to the fore as much as COVID has. And what is really interesting, what you do with your movie um, with the essential church is that you constantly remind of the history of these two things that play all the time. The film starts off interestingly enough with the story of Jenny Geddes back in 1637, her three-legged stool, the protest against the Book of Common Prayer, and then you also talk about other people as well, John Bunyan, Margaret Wilson. Uh, which I thought found her story to be incredibly harrowing um, as well. Um, when it came to that aspect of the film, the historical aspect of martyrs within the church stood up against kind of like a government authority and, and, and government regulation, really kind of strict versions of that. Was that something that you always had in mind to always have those kind of uh, those kind of um, uh, two kind of like, not, I want to say two different narratives, but two different um, uh, lines of history kind of like in, in kind of like in the same um uh, parallels with one another. Uh, yeah. Um, or is that something that kind of came, came along a little later 
um, in regard when putting the uh, documentary together? No, it, it was very much uh, from the beginning. And, and the reason I had that idea in my head was because of our statement, Christ, not Caesar. So when I started to put together this pitch to show Dr. MacArthur and a few other elders <clears throat> what I would like to do, um, church history was always a big part of that. And I made it very clear that I wanted this to be about the church and not just about Grace Community Church, which is what they wanted too. Um, I think a lot of people are going to assume it's about Dr. MacArthur, but it's not. Uh, it's about the church uh, with a big C, capital C, the church. Um, and um, the best way to do that is to show it past, present, and globally. Um, globally, our Canadian friends represent, and um, of course, our local struggle, and then the church history aspect of it. So I wanted that to be a part of it. And as I researched these stories, I really got excited. Um, and because as a filmmaker, it was just, there's so many, I mean, the wealth of stories we have, uh, not just from the Bible, but just throughout church history is, it's untapped. I mean, the material that is there is phenomenal. And as a filmmaker, as a Christian, obviously it's, it's, it's edifying and encouraging and uh, puts steel in your veins and you want to go out there and serve the Lord and see those heroes of the faith. And, and that's another reason why it's in the documentary. But as a filmmaker as well, you're just like, this is fantastic. Um, and I couldn't wait to just kind of craft it visually and, uh, you know, put that down on, on paper. And I wrote those scenes before I ever shot. I wrote that Jenny Getty. Mm. She was always supposed to be at the beginning. Um, I knew when I wrote it, I wrote it super long. It was like 11 pages. And I was like, it's not going to be 11 pages. It's going to end up being like three or four by the time I'm done with it. But I wanted to overwrite and then dial it back uh, as I got closer to the shoot date and in the editing bay. So um, I was able to do that. And yeah, so those were, I wanted to do that. And I wanted to bring it back at the end of the first act where we go back to her story and finish it off and then bring in the great ejection I didn't know exactly where that would all land perfectly because I still had to interview a lot of people. Um, and even that with the interviewing, I, I, I would research through pre-interviews and just my own material so that I would ask the right questions and understanding where my story would go and understanding how my first act would end and how our protagonist, the church, would have this goal moving forward and take us into the second act. So I would ask questions according to that. So it was very much planned, but at the same time, you're interviewing a human being that reveals all this new stuff to you as well. That is fascinating. You have to follow those storylines if they apply as well. And so I threw a wide net when I was interviewing people to make sure I got as much information as I could. I especially threw a wide net on Dr. MacArthur because I didn't know if I'd get the chance to ever interview him again. I, I saw this as a unique situation. He was probably wondering like, why is he asking me all of this? Uh, what does it have to do with the story? But I was asking him everything about his life, about everything, which isn't in, it isn't in the documentary, but I wanted to make sure I did my due diligence. And uh, maybe we can use that that uh, interview for other projects um, besides the Essential Church. What else was really fascinating about the movie is that you kind of go behind the curtain in regards to the decision-making processes regarding um, how exactly um, Grace Community Church would kind of like take on kind of like the, these new rules it's constantly changing kind of befuddling kind of lockdown rules that are constantly happening all the time we had them here as well in in, in australia especially regards to 
uh, church worship, you know, just from the really just silly things to disturbing things. I, I still can't get over the whole kind of like no singing in church thing. I, I thought that was always something that was incredibly silly that kind of came along around that time. Um, but when it came to the behind the, the 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 scenes kind of stuff, the processes that the elders kind of had when they came together and talked, how important was it to not only show that, but also show that, you know, not this, you know, when it comes to Grace um, Grace Community Church and just churches in general, when it came to this, these that moment in time and these decisions that there was a lot of disagreement going on at that time. It wasn't like everyone was like of one mind um, going um, uh, in regards to this. It took a lot of debate. It took a lot of talk. It took a lot of, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, fleshing out all the different theological kind of like aspects of the movie to make sure that uh, you show that this is something that not only did we took seriously, but this is something that very much shaped the, the, the structure and the presence of the church moving forward, because, I think it's really important for pe- to people to realize that that you know there was some division. Some members left. Um, you know, th- you know, under pressure. You know, pressure can sometimes make diamonds, and, and the other thing can happen as well. Where pressure can can break people up. It was really important to show that aspect of it, and to make sure people knew that this was something that Graceland Church was struggling with, and, and took it very seriously before moving forward with any decision. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of also at the beginning pitch is I wanted to make sure that we were transparent. And I was a little concerned that that may not be accepted when I pitched it, but I wanted to start from the beginning. You know, uh, we, we wanted to make sure that we were as transparent as possible without hurting or, you know, uh, making those who disagreed with us feel like a second class citizen, mm-hmm. um, but still show the tension and what we went through and the conflict within our elder board and how we were not united and how we had to work and debate, as you said, um, and figure out Romans 13 fuller and more robustly, some some elders did, uh, to be able to come to the side of, yeah, we need to open. And that was a process. And I wanted to make sure that we were pulling back the curtain and showing that. And, and, and one reason we wanted to do that is because a lot of people left our church when we opened. And, you know, we thought, wouldn't it be nice to just show them the whole story? Just tell them the whole story um, because they didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. The, those elders meetings were private. Um, so uh, to to show that, I think, was really important. Again, not a, only as a storyteller, you have to do that as a, you know, a filmmaker, you want that. But uh, I think it's good for our church and for the church in, in general to see that what that process looks like. And that's what we went through. I mean, I think a lot of people look at Grace Church and just think that John MacArthur runs everything. Mm. Um, you know, we're not a uh, a pyramid with John MacArthur at the top, then the elders, and then the congregants or anything like that. We're a body, as the Bible explains, and that we're elder ruled, then qualified men who um, submit to the Word of God and um, have a a testimony that shows that they're qualified to be an elder, and they are submitting to Christ and making decisions. And we have 40 elders. So John MacArthur, after the two weeks to stop the spread, was ready to come back, and a few others as well. But the rest of the elder board was not. And it was a journey to get to that point where they were unanimous, because we have a principle of unanimity at our church. Our elders have to be unanimous before we do something. Um, And with something like this, it became very divisive, and you have 40 men who have to all agree and it's not an easy thing. 
because we were criticized by both sides. We are criticized by those people who said you should never have um, complied to begin with, you know, um, well, you know, or you, after the two weeks, why didn't you just open back up? Well, it's not that easy when you have 40 elders and you're, you have a church of seven to 10,000 people. We had to really work through that for a church that maybe has like 20 people in it. Yeah, you're pretty much going to fly under the radar. They're not even knowing you're meeting, but there's no way we can hide. And we have a target on our back. So those elders had to really figure that out and work through that. And we show that in the film. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I think something that is really important that the Central Church shows as well is that when it comes to a church, a church community, it's not only within the four walls of the church itself, but it's also just about a community as a whole. It spreads out. I mean, when the lockdowns happen, it's not only that you that people were separated from going to the church, it was the church going to the people as well. Um, like a priest or a pastor or, or a member of a, a church committee or the elders or what have you from all different denominations and stripes, they have very different responsibilities, whether they um, are serving to the poor, they're doing charitable aspects, they're going to to hospitals, they're they're um, they're um going to the taking care of the elderly. That one especially was very hard, I think, in COVID lockdowns because the elderly, unfortunately, from a lot of um uh, a lot of uh, gov- um um uh, what's the word I'm looking for government rule uh, said that the elderly had to be um shut off from everyone else because of course statistics showed all this kind of stuff, but they were all left alone and and a lot of people. Unfortunately, a lot of older people passed on without seeing their their family, without getting last rites, without getting without a lot of stuff. And I think it's really important that that your movie showed that um, you know cutting off people from the church. There was like a, another aspect as well. The church couldn't go out to the people. A community was essentially severed that way. And I think when it came to the elders, that would have been something definitely that would have been weighed heavily on their mind that their that you know their flock. Uh, was being you know separated and, and cast aside not from their hand but from someone else's hand and it was something worth standing up for and, and fighting for yeah i mean it was it's interesting because not only did the government stop us try to stop us from gathering they tried to stop us from ministering period hmm. we couldn't go out and minister to people so they were not only saying we it wasn't essential for us to gather but we're not essential to go to the hospital we're not essential to go to our dying uh, mother or father or somebody else's. You know, Pastor John wanted to go and visit people who are dying. That's part of his job as a pastor. He couldn't do that. A lot of our elders couldn't do that um, because the government was stopping us. And we, like you said, we see the ramifications of that um, worldwide of the lockdowns. And it, Jay Bhattacharya, who's an epidemiologist in the film, 
said it was the biggest peacetime disaster in the history <laughs> of the world, <laughs> uh, at least the history of America. Mm. Um, uh, and there's not no doubt about it, he says. Um, and Scott Atlas, um, also from um, Stanford, is in the documentary. He was on the task force of the Trump administration, and he was dealing with Fauci and Burks, and he was seeing firsthand through the data why the lockdowns were hurtful and arguing for that. And as you saw in the documentary, he was distraught over it because oh, of yeah, the it's di- still the, a very raw issue for him. I mean, he was in tears in that documentary. That's right. Still to this day, that's very real. That's how he feels. It was, it 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 absolutely destroyed people's lives. And not, when I say destroyed people's lives, people died. Mm. You know, it, it wasn't <laughs> so. It was destructive in so many ways. So to say that locking down is somehow loving your neighbor is just false. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> to 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 have this policy where we quarantine the healthy, uh, we've never done that before. That's like brand new. Where did they come up with that? That's ridiculous. We're going to quarantine the healthy. You quarantine the sick. That makes sense. If you're sick, you stay home. You don't quarantine everybody else in the world. I mean, it's just bizarre. Uh, and it's just stuff that, you know, science fiction novels are made of, you know, uh, dystopic novels are made of. It's that's it's crazy. And yeah, so it was not loving to lock down. And the church recognized this. And especially it was not loving for the church to stay locked down. I mean, I, I understand there was a point where we were all ignorant, but eventually there came a point where this is no longer a gray area. You know, this is no longer a gray area for you and your church. You should open. You should, two years after the fact, and your church is still doing digital church and not meeting. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, the time of like where there was liberty to kind of figure that out before Christ, I think kind of has moved on. It's pretty objectively true now that you should be gathering. And that came a lot sooner than churches were willing to admit because a lot of them stayed closed. And I think I know it was the case here in Australia that a lot of places things were open before even churches were pubs, casinos, uh, places where people congregate uh, anyway. Not, through, but the only difference was they weren't congregating through worship. So it came to the point, especially myself as a as a as a Christian and as a family man, who I really pride myself in making sure that I get my family at church every Sunday. It came to the point where I was like, why is it that someone uh, at an establishment, or a, you know? T- 10 minutes away can come together and have a and have some a, a beer or something with someone else they can do that on the sunday morning uh, sunday but i can't go to my church and, and worship there i came, came to a point where it felt like it was more than a, than a, a health uh thing it felt more kind of like an ideological lines being drawn in the sand and that's uh and especially when you see people protesting on the streets as well um, and for some reason, they're immune to the whatever was going on out there. And but we in the church cannot sing. Um, I think it came to a point for myself. I don't know about uh, about you, uh, Shannon, but where I felt like that um, we were at the bottom of the totem pole. And um, I think again, it came down to maybe perhaps the church being complacent, or maybe Christians being complacent. That maybe government authorities thought that they could get away from doing stuff like that. But um, I think at the end of the day, thankfully. 
um, a lot of people, um, a lot of different figures within churches of all denominations really did stand up, um, whether they be laymen or clergy, and made sure to say, look, we are still here, we are still relevant, um, we have our rights to worship and, and have our freedom of religion in these um, countries, and we will exercise our God-given right for free will to make the choice ourselves. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy times. You know, you brought up the casino thing. Um, in the documentary, there was uh, a part where we were deciding whether or not we should do legal battle against um, the government. And we were looking at all these other cases that were happening, and all these churches were losing. So there was no real incentive for the church to go the legal route and fight this because it did not look good. And even our own lawyers thought there was a slim chance of actually being victorious in this matter. And there was no precedent of victory. Uh, there was a deal with the casino. The church said that you're allowing the casinos to open, but you're shutting down the church. And they lost their case. Um, so, and that happened before ours. So, we really were up against it. And that's something the documentary shows is it shows the legal journey as well, which when I was before, when I was writing the film, I thought, you know, I'm really concerned that part might end up being kind of dry and not very interesting, but it turned out to be very compelling and really mm. interesting. And the attorneys did a great job in telling that story of the legal battle. Um, and I thought it was just, I was so pleased with how that turned out. So not only does the documentary show the theological side of it, it does show the legal side of it and what we went through. And that's another storyline that's interwoven throughout it um, that really worked well in the film. So I find myself in a very uh, peculiar situation in my profession in that I write about movies and film in a lot of ways, but I'm also a practicing Catholic and Christian. And sometimes I find that uh, one kind of conflicts in the other in that it seems to me that um, for a very long time, the narrative about Christians and, and what have you in the movies, especially, is was always from like one end of the spectrum, right? It was always all the bad stuff and everything else, especially, uh, you know, post um, 9-11 with the, the age of the, the new atheism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, there was a lot of content out there that was very anti-Christian. What I find very kind of uh, encouraging and interesting over the last, say, 10 years or so, 10 years or so, is that there are independent film studios now, whether they be Angel Studios or Kingdom Story Company. There are, are churches um, like your, yourself who have um, re the resources now to put together its own movies to kind of combat the narrative, et cetera. And I think what it comes down to and what, I, and what I've always kind of encouraged to happen is that um, Christians need in, in their churches really need to look in, into uh, into their, their flock and see what skills people have, um, whether they be writers or filmmakers or what have you, and really tap into those skills and make content kind of like of what you're making with the Essential Church and get that that content out there, whether they need documentaries or feature films or, or what have you. I think that's a really important and essential thing, a thing for uh, Christian films to go forward because I think the, the faith-based movie, for example, was always of like one type of ilk, um, which was, I think, open to, on one end, open to some really cool things, but on the other end was open to really cool, maybe undeservedly so. But lately, I think that the, the filmmaking, um, the storytelling, um, and the stories themselves have been really, really rich and really well done. And I think something that I really came to the fall of me when watching The Essential Church is that I think it's really important that 
um, churches really do um, follow the, the the example that Grace Community Church have set forward with this documentary and start to look, you know, into telling their own stories, whether it be about COVID or be uh, what, ha- what was happening in COVID or anything else. I think it's a really important thing that to really look into your flock and see what talent has God bestowed upon people that they can help tell our stories as Christians and as the church. And I think that's a really important aspect. Have you felt as well, yourself looking over the last 10 years yourself as a filmmaker and such that there has been this shift now where a lot of kind of like that there's more resources there's more um there's more want and there's more need for these stories to be out there not only um uh, by christian filmmakers but also from the christian public who i think have really come out in droves lately to make sure those movies are a success in in uh, theaters and on and on streaming because i think it's a it's a very important thing that our voices are heard in that medium because for such a long time that wasn't the case. Yeah, I think that one of the problems with Christian films or Christian media or whatever um, is that uh, sometimes the message might be good, but they they don't they didn't care about their art or they didn't know how to care mm. about their art. And that if you're gonna make a movie, it's a movie. It's filmmaking. It's an art and a craft. It's visual storytelling. Um, you don't just. It, People don't realize how much thought goes into it in every frame to make sure that the story is told well. Uh, it's, it's, it takes time. It takes effort to get good at it and to do it well and to do it with excellence. And, um, you know, one reason the film industry or the, you know, you know Hollywood or whatever you see those films and you're like, why are those so different than like a Christian film where it's just terrible? It's horrible. Why is it? Why, why can't they do what they're doing and say, well, they don't have the money. And I don't think that's really the case. What they don't have is they don't have the, they don't have the artists, I guess. I mean, the people in Hollywood uh, have been spent, dedicated their life to learning and honing the craft of visual storytelling. And it's exactly that. It's it's not something that you just pick up on a whim. And they are, you know, they were wired. The, the people who are doing that were wired to be that way. That's what they're good at. That's what they fell into. That's what they developed. That's how they got better. And they they just kept getting better and better and better. And they're making good films. So Christians have to do the same thing. In fact, Christians should be making the best films. We oh, should yeah. be making the best music. Um, if you go back to, say, Bach, Back in the day, he, you know, everyone wanted to be like Bach, and everyone to be like wanted to be like the Christian musicians back then. They were the best, um, and they they were good at what they did, and they cared about their art because they wanted to glorify God with it um, most of all, which inspired them to care about their art. And so, I think that's what's missing for a lot of Christian films: is you have a lot of people making films, but they're not necessarily filmmakers. And they don't necessarily understand that it's an art form and that they should what they should actually care about. Um, so there's a balance there. You need to be biblical and true. We need to tell the truth, but we have to also care about our art. Um, and I think that's missing in in the industry. Well, I think it's you got that balance exactly right in the essential church, and I just want to congratulate you for that. Um, it's not only a, a movie that's really informative, but I think the the look of the film, uh, the craft of, of the film, the reenactments um, I'm done of all the historical kind of like um, uh, stories in regards to the martyrs of the of the church. 
Um, and a lot of the the way that it was kind of just all pieced the frame together, I think it, it flowed really well. Um, and so I, I want to congratulate you in regards to that. And I want to encourage everyone out there, the Central Church available now across the US, I really recommend people go to the cinema and watch it in the cinemas. And then after that, you could pre-order the Blu-ray at EssentialChurchMovie.com. Um, that's EssentialChurchMovie.com. There you can find your tickets. You can find all sorts of cool stuff. There's really cool merch stuff as, uh, as well there um, in regards to shirt, uh, shirts and all, all sorts of stuff as well. I really uh, encourage people to check out uh, the website, um, but especially check out the movie because it's a, I think it's a story that needs to be uh, be shown and, and, and needs to be a reminder about how in recent history uh, this did happen. And I think people need to need to keep that in the forefront of their mind all the time. Because um, I know we're very, living in very fast times these days with the news and so many things happening, but we should never forget uh, the things that happened only two, three years ago, especially in regards to um, uh, the, the, the church and, and everything regarding that. And um, Shannon Halliday, I just want to say thank you so very much for your time today. Again, congrats with the film. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see uh, what you do next. Um, it, whenever something comes out, please let me know. I'd love to have a look at it. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate appreciate the support. And uh, yeah, uh, we're very thankful for how the Lord has blessed our endeavors in this way. And we're going to continue to push the film out there and minister to the, the church and that we'll be emboldened to stay, make a stand in the future.